All right, this is episode number seven of Into the Absurd with Tyler Moye. All right, discipline is freedom. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? Ooh, starting off with the good questions already. Um, discipline equals freedom is uh, it's a philosophy by Jocko Willink. He's a ex-Navy SEAL. Um, he came up with this idea that having discipline throughout your daily life and daily routine is going to equate to having the freedom that you want, right? Um, And that idea really resonates with me because, you know, even just like a small example of this, right? You know, you spend all day and you get all your homework done and and, uh, you do all your studies and your reading, right? And then you get the whole evening free or you get the whole week free. That's your freedom. You get to go do what you want. So that's like a smaller example. So then you can apply that, you know, universally. So and that's self-discipline, right? Exactly, self-discipline. So then you talk about like, okay, having discipline in your workouts. So you're constantly going to the gym, you know, you're disciplined with it. You're going to the schedule that you set with yourself um, and you're in there and you're having discipline while you're working out as well. You know, you're pushing yourself to get that extra rep or, you know, to go five pounds heavier or something. That equates to the freedom of having the body you want or the freedom of, of having the endurance you want, you know. Um, so it just applies to all these different ways. And then another example I'd give is, you know, in business. So, you know, you can't just sit around and hope that a business is going to grow. So if you have the discipline to every day, you know, be contributing some energy to that business. And it takes a lot of discipline because there's days you wake up, oh, I don't want to work on it today. I don't want to do it today, right? And so you push through that. You have the discipline to continue working on the things that care that you care about. And then your business grows, okay? Now your business is making money. Okay, now I have the freedom to go t- take some time off and go hang out in Thailand for a little bit, right? Like those are just all examples, but I hope that that sort of should all help explain like the idea of discipline equals freedom. Yeah, and it's also, I think uh, the big thing is that it's not just that you're investing time into yourself to get freedom later on. Mm -hmm. You're, by giving yourself discipline, it's your choice, Mm. right? So you're free to make that choice Mm. to give yourself discipline. Mm -hmm. You're free to make those choices in the same way you're free to not be disciplined. You know, you could, you can sleep in in the morning and not go get up when your alarm goes off, you know? And then you have to deal with the consequences of that. So now you have an, a, you don't have, you know, you don't have that extra hour in your day. You don't have that all the projects and, and things you could have worked on in that extra hour. Like that's the choice you made, right? But if you have the discipline to say, okay, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. I wake up at 5 a.m. And then your discipline throughout the day is just like the snowball effect. It's just going to continue to grow in, in self-discipline throughout the day. And then that equates to throughout the months, you know years things like that so and i think it's it's also really important to not just have discipline Mm. but to be happy about totally having that discipline Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. shouldn't be such a chore really um you know jocko as much as i love jocko he's a warrior he's like an ex-navy seal like Mm. he takes it to the extreme like that man gets up at 3 a.m every single day and then he goes and he busts something out in the gym. 
personally, I don't really need or want that for my life. And I think the majority <laughs> of people don't. Um, but he loves it. He yeah. loves it. And that makes him so happy. So I think that ties into this, what you're talking about is, you know, it's got to be disciplined towards things that matter to you, that, that you love, that you know are good for you. Don't be so hard on yourself and disciplined in things that you don't even enjoy because then you're just wasting your time and you're not getting freedom from doing those things. You're putting yourself in a cage. Yeah, when you discipline yourself, it it has to feel right. Mm-hmm. You have to feel right about mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're a professional swimmer, right? You, you love swimming, you love practicing, so you're going to go to practice and you're going to swim every single day. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. You know, if you're a swimmer and you're, you're getting in there and you're putting your time in, in the, in the pool and you're, you're waking up early and you're going to bed late and you're practicing and you're meditating, and you're visualizing the winds and, and the strokes and, you know, how you're going to overcome adversity that equates to the freedom of you get an Olympic medal maybe, or you get the sponsorship from Nike that pays you a lot of money. Like those are, it's just, it all comes back to you in some form. So um, with that whole, so with you being a very disciplined person. Try to be. Yeah. <laughs> try to be. I mean, I try to too. So you, um, your website, can you, mm. can you kind of explain about your website? Because it's totally. re- really interesting when you told me mm. about it. I forgot the name. I mm-hmm. kind of forgot the dynamics, but mm. um, I think that really has some interesting implications. Thanks, man. So I just started uh, this website called Gap the Year. And for a lot of different reasons, um, the first reason being that I realize that experience um, is probably the most important thing that you can give yourself. And so I was learning, I think what I was getting tired with with university in general is, you know, while in college, you're, you're learning so many amazing things, but a lot of it just seems so theoretical all the time mm-hmm. it's just i wanted to I, I wanted to apply something i wanted to build something you know it was just driving me crazy just learning all these theories all the time like why can't i do something with my hands you know create something so i started to teach myself digital marketing and um i fell in love with digital marketing and what i love about digital marketing is you learn something about it and you can immediately apply it and that takes discipline to apply it but if you apply it, you start to create something. And so I, I learned, I taught myself how to create a website and I taught myself how to run advertisements for websites on Google and Facebook and Instagram. And I was loving every second of it. And I started teaching myself all these skills um, during the pandemic actually. And um, so finally I, I sat down with myself and I said, okay, what do I wanna create a website about? And it's got to be something that is a combination of something I know a lot about and something that I'm also passionate about. And I feel like if you can tie those two things together, it just makes creating something so exponentially easier because you you know a lot about it and you're, you love it. So it's just like the creativity just flourishes. And so for me, um, something I'm really passionate about is traveling, um, but more specifically, like purposeful traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this idea of traveling but not just jumping around from country to country and having fancy lattes and you know just taking pictures for the gram and stuff. And of course that's fun, but that's kind of a vacation to me. I like the idea of going to another place 
and learning from that place mm. and you want the experience yeah of having lived there having grown up there totally right. totally it's like you i i think i i count for myself i don't count myself as having traveled anywhere unless i met with locals i ate local food and i learned something while i was there if i like just stopped off at the airport or i just kind of was there for a day and i just went to a nice restaurant it's like okay i didn't really get to experience that place so I, I wholeheartedly love this idea of, of um, purposeful traveling. And um, so when I graduated high school, that's what I did. I graduated high school and all of my peers were uh, going to the military or they're going straight to college or going straight into the workforce. And then I was the single person who's going to Thailand to go study Muay Thai kickboxing. And everyone thought I was just crazy. They're like, what? That's so unheard of. Such a weird path for someone to take. And I was really certain that was the right path for me because mm -hmm. I knew I was going to go to college, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And I thought, okay, why would I invest all this money and time into something I'm not certain about? I should be certain when I decide what degree I want. And I wanted to give myself some space, man. I had been going to school my whole life. I mm -hmm. needed to learn more about what my passions were. So I go to Thailand and I studied kickboxing there for six months, and um, I met the most amazing people ever that I'm still in touch with today. And I learned so much about myself. I gained so much confidence in my abilities. Um, I got stronger mentally and physically. And when I so after I had gone through this incredible experience, I come to college and I noticed I was so dedicated my studies compared to my peers mm -hmm. and I was just like going home and I was scheduling things and I was just like ready to just ready to go like I was ready to learn I was excited and my peers were just like ah oh, like here we are you know we just graduated high school a few months ago and now it's like four more years of this and they just yeah. they weren't soaking it up the way that I was some of them were I don't want to generalize but they they weren't soaking it up the way that I was they didn't appreciate it either because another thing about when I was in Asia was I saw poverty. I saw kids mm -hmm. literally living underneath bridges that were just a few years younger than me mm -hmm. who had never received any formal education. And that will always stick with me, those experiences. I will always val like love and appreciate my um, education. So, so that's what I would call a gap year, okay? So my website's called Gap the Year, and a, and a gap year essentially, in my definition, um, is a semester or year that you purposely take off from the normal route that society creates for you of like high school, college, work, right? It's like mm -hmm. you either take a break after high school, or you take some time off during the middle of your uh, undergrad, or you take some time off after you graduate college. For me, those are gap years, okay, or gap semesters. And during that time, you just take that time for yourself. Take a step back and what do you wanna learn? Do you wanna learn to code? Do you wanna lose some weight that you've always wanted to lose? Do you wanna gain some muscle? Do you want to uh, learn how to speak another language? Do you wanna learn how to cook? Do you wanna reconnect with your, your heritage and your culture of your family? You know, like maybe your family's from Ecuador and you've lost touch with what that means to you. So you can go back and you can create that for yourself and I just find that 
the people I've met that have taken this time off to do that for themselves have so much more certainty about who they are as a person. And it translates to them having so much more certainty about what they want to do with their career. So that was a super long tangent about what Gap the Year is. But basically what I'm doing with this website is I'm providing information um, for people who are interested in Gap Years because there's not a lot of information out there. Um, and so I'm telling them, like, here's the best places to go. Here's the different options you have. And then I'm also providing testimonials and um, I'm interviewing people that I have met along the way who have also done a Gap Year. And I'm putting their... Um, their interviews on the website so that way you can see what that person did and you realize I can do that too this guy was 18 and he backpacked through Europe and then he went to Ecuador and he hitchhiked you know and these are the lessons he learned from doing that and I can do that too it just I want people to realize it's a lot more accessible than accessible than they think it is and um, ultimately as far as a business is concerned um, people that are interested in gap years I'm hoping to reach out to them and consult with them. And I want to ask them, what, who do you want to be? Hmm. What do you want to do? And then I can give them a list. Okay, cool. So you're interested in coding and you're interested in Spanish culture. So you can go to this coding boot camp in Barcelona or Madrid, mm-hmm. or you can go study coding down in Argentina. And in six months, you'll be so good at Python that you could literally get a job before you even graduate from your undergrad. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just want to give people that power and understanding about their lives. So that's what Gap the Year is. You know, you bring that up and with the whole, yeah, you could go and learn coding for a year and then you'd be better than the people that are coming out of college. Mm-hmm. That's kind of true in, in the sense that we have to go and we have to pay this tuition and then we have to learn a bunch of things that don't really apply to us whatsoever, mm-hmm. right? So we're, we're paying most of what a college student pays for is completely worthless. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's nice to learn things, but you can learn all these things on your own. You can go on YouTube and learn about history whenever you want, or you can you can start writing if you feel like it. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the day, most jobs... Um, you use about 5% of what you learned mm-hmm. from school, right? Mm-hmm. I think what's what the problem with higher ed is, and this is what Gary Vee, I watched a video by Gary Vee the other day, and he's talking about how co- the college ROI is now negative, you know? So you're spending all this money on this degree, not always, but a lot of the time. You're spending all this money on this degree, and the return on investment for the time and money you spend that degree is typically negative these days. And yet there's still like this huge push that you have to go to college all the time. And, and mm-hmm. I do, and I, I'm not dogging on college. College has given me so much. It really has. Mm-hmm. It has um, just provided me with so much knowledge. And I feel like a much more educated citizen because of college. And I'm really grateful for that. And you can make the argument that I could have learned that even without college. And I, I do believe that. I think it's true. But I think college created the space and the environment for me mm-hmm. to, to... It's to, the environment. Exactly. Sure. It's and like, the people. Yes, it's the people. You're, you're here in this like space where you are just expected to study and learn. And uh, you can do with that what you want. And so mm-hmm. what, what you want to do with that. Um, but I think, um, I think what's happening is employers 
value experience way more than they value Mm -hmm. the fact that you got a degree at the end of the day. And so that's why I want to give people during this gap year, I want to give them that experience, you know, that if they took six months out of their lives to learn coding or to learn digital marketing skills or learn another language, and then they go back and they get their degree and they, they experience all the beautiful benefits of university, that person is going to be so much better set for their life than the person who went straight from high school, got the degree their mom and dad told them to get, and then they go on the workforce and they're like, who am I? I have no idea, but I'm just like kind of going with the flow of society, right? And so I want people to, I want to just like grab people out of that river and just be like, hey, check this out. There's all these other options over here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah, so with all of that, it kind of goes to show that uh, whenever you just take some time for yourself, it'll save you time in the long run, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you go out and you do this gap year and then you learn about yourself, Mm -hmm. then you'll be able to go and then work even harder when you get back because you're like, oh, I want this, right? You'll Mm -hmm. know exactly what you want out of life and then you'll be able to go and get it, right? Exactly. Um, With all the people that I've talked to about their gap years, I think the common theme um, that I have realized that exists with the gap year is they all say, my gap year gave me an opportunity to step back. And it allowed me an opportunity to realize who I am. But actually, I think one of the most important things about gap years I haven't even mentioned is throughout your entire time being in um, elementary school, middle school, high school, and even in college, you're juggling six or seven subjects at a time. And you never get the opportunity to dive deep into any of those. Like mm-hmm. if you're studying if you're studying biology, chemistry, and then you're studying philosophy and Spanish, but Spanish just lights you up when you learn it, well, yeah, cool, you get to do your Spanish homework, but you better make time to do all the other subjects you have to study mm-hmm. for when you would rather just be spending more time learning Spanish. And I just think that the, the current system we have set up, it makes no sense because I don't think the human mind is meant to try to car- compartmentalize all these different ideas at once. And so what a gap year does is it, it takes, allows you to just step back, focus on one single thing that you want to really dive deep and learn all about. And then the process of learning is so fast. So I'll give you one more example with myself. I didn't necessarily take a gap year, but I kind of did in a way. I took another gap year after my time in uh, Thailand. Mm -hmm. So I went to China in January of 2020, which is the same time that the coronavirus broke out. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was only in China for three weeks before we were all told to go home. And I said, I am not going home. I said, I came here with a mission to learn Mandarin and I'm going to stay here. And so I left China and I went to Taiwan, which ended up being this like the best country in the world to be at because they never uh, reached the the number of cases that any other place did. They were really good about making sure that they kept their businesses open, but didn't have any cases spike. So anyways, um, I spent three months there just learning Mandarin and it wasn't through a university. It was just through a private institution that was teaching me Mandarin. When I came back to college, I went from having studied beginner Mandarin and I literally tested out of four different Chinese classes, 12 credits worth of Chinese. And I went into straight advanced Mandarin wow. in three months. 
And that's not because I'm super smart, because that's not what it is. It's because I was given the opportunity to just focus. Mm -hmm. All I did was study Mandarin. I studied Mandarin at home. I woke up in the morning and on my way to class, I spoke with someone in Mandarin with what little bit I knew and I learned a new word. And then as I was walking to class, I attempted to read a sign and then I gathered another word. And I did that every year for three months. And my growth was so much more exponential than what college could have given me. Mm. So that's what gap years give people. So you're also a fighter, right? Mm. I would not say I'm a fighter anymore. I, uh, I used to, but um, I love martial arts and I want to go back to it someday. I'm, I haven't been doing it recently. I've been focusing on other things. I want to learn new things. So I've been learning, I've been doing CrossFit a lot. Um, I've been learning how to dance. Um, our buddy Rocky, he's going to be, him and I have been yeah. setting up a meeting once a week and we're going to be dancing. So <laughs> cool. been taking a different route lately. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, I mean, dance, mm. martial arts, like both of those things, they take a lot of discipline and time to learn and they are both an art form. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that being said, so what's your philosophy of life in general? Mm, that's a great question. I know you, you delve into Eastern thought, Western mm. thought. You're, I don't know if you're religious, but. Mm. Yeah, man, I have a lot of different philosophies. Um, I mean, that's good. Yeah. You should be well-rounded. Totally. I, I, and I'm always open to change, um, I think one of my biggest philosophies, and this has nothing to do with like really spirituality or religion or anything, um, it's just effort plus time equals progression. Hmm. Um, kind of like um, discipline equals freedom, right? It's like another another little equation like that. But um, I read this book called Outliers um, by Malcolm Gladwell. It's one of my favorite books of all time because it was the first time that I realized how simple it is to progress in life. Because we, I think we get so in our heads about how to progress and how to mm -hmm. be better. And we think, oh, you gotta be born with these skills and these characteristics and you know, you had to be at the right place at the right time. And while some of that is true sometimes, um, I think for the most part, you can progress in life just by putting time into something that you love right mm -hmm. so for example when i first started dancing i was stiff and i looked awful and i and i'm thinking to myself oh my gosh i just am not like my body was not born to do this i can't I I, you know but see but hear me out so you think that right you think oh i i just simply can't dance my body and my mind are not made for it mm -hmm. but all you have to do is just put time into it mm -hmm. and not give up on yourself and, and just continue to put time into it and you will get progression out of it. Mm. Absolutely. You will not look the same way you did from day one. You spend 20 minutes a day learning to dance or something, give yourself one month, you're gonna look like a completely different person. That goes with martial arts, that goes with learning language, that goes with learning anything in life. So I think just breaking it down like that, just like, okay, what do you wanna do? You wanna make music? Okay, you wanna, be successful at a podcast, cool. All you got to do is put time into it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Exactly. It's literally that simple. 
So I'd say that's one of my biggest philosophies in life. Um, you also have to make sacrifices. Mm, absolutely. In, in order to have time to do things, mm-hmm. you need to cut out certain aspects of your life. Totally. Right? Social media, I think, is the biggest one. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I think social media... Social media makes you think that you're being productive. It makes it gives you like that feeling that you did something, but you didn't do anything. You wasted that time. Let's be real. Mm. Unless your job is social media, like you wasted that time that you just spent scrolling around. Unless mm. you learned something, that's cool. That happens sometimes. But imagine all that time we spend scrolling th- through Instagram, all that time we spend on Facebook and Twitter and Reddit, you know? And imagine if you just swapped that time sacrifice that time like you said mm. towards learning a pursuit of something oh my gosh you would be so much better at that thing in literally a week and i think a lot of people don't think of it like that but that's how yeah. i think of it whenever i'm on my phone i'm like i'm sacrificing time that i could be spent reading or learning something mm. to to scroll mindlessly on my phone right now and sometimes I'm cool with it. And sometimes I'm like, all right, man, let's get off the phone and let's go do something. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. No, my dad said to me the other day that there's two things that are ruining the world right now. Mm-hmm. Facebook and plastic. Ooh, I like that. I don't like that. But I, <laughs> I, I, but, but I like that just breaking it down to those two things. Social media is so toxic, man. It's the worst. Have you watched the documentary, um, uh, what's it called? The Social Dilemma? Yes, I have. So good. No, it's, it's a, the thing is, well, it's called The Social Dilemma, right? Because there's two aspects of that. On, on one hand, you're being connected to millions of other people, unlike anything else in human history, right? Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they're essentially pitting people against each other. Mm-hmm. They're dividing our country, mm-hmm. right? They're dividing the people of our country, right? And they're dividing the people of many countries. I, I remember there was this one part of the show where there was this uh, developing nation and they were put into a civil war from Facebook, right? When uh, all the people of this nation, they were given a phone and then the first app that was put on their phone was Facebook and the government was using it to control the people. Mm-hmm. It's a... Uh, so that's why it, it's a dilemma. But it can be, we can still use it. People just need to learn how to be responsible with it. And educate themselves on what's going on with it too. Because that, so that's the thing. You say it's a dilemma because it's like two-faced. So you gave that first example. I can't remember which country it was. I want to say it was Chad, but I think I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I don't it was some. I think it was in Africa. But yeah, they. so like Facebook was a means of dividing the people there. Mm-hmm. But then... You hear about when Facebook first came out, and it basically, not just Facebook, but a lot of the internet in general, it caused the the Arab Spring. You know, the 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 the, the first time in our history where um, democracy was really pushed in the Middle East, where they were finally questioning their dictators and saying, "We don't want to be told what to do by this one single person, right? We want a mm. democracy. We want to have a voice." and Social media was the means in which they were able to communicate for the first time ever. They were able to use social media to, to gather and to post videos about the injustices that were happening. So it's like on one face, you have social media doing these great things, but now it's 
just I really would blame social media for the division of our country. And it's it just it's so sad because it doesn't seem like it's getting any better. But um, but social media is is the worst, and so is plastic. Plastic is pretty bad too. <laughs> I try not to use plastic. I could be a lot better, but plastic's the worst also. No, I just saw this this documentary that just really shocked me about mm-hmm. plastic because we we basically send almost all of our plastic to Asia, right? And then all that's dumped into rivers and it goes straight into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it was it was just freaking me out, man. And mm-hmm. I. Uh, so the so about a couple of weeks ago, I went to the store and I thought, okay, you know what? Today I'm gonna use paper. Mm-hmm. Screw it. And you can fit you can fit more stuff in a paper bag. You can. It's it's much harder to carry it mm-hmm. inside because I mean when you're using plastic bags, you can carry like a lot more. Yeah, you can carry like twenty bags in one go. Mm-hmm. But that's the sacrifice you make, though. Yeah. To save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, I think the problem with plastic, or not the problem with plastic, but the, the problem with society's view on plastic is not enough people are seeing what plastic's doing to the planet. Mm. And myself included, I'm not seeing it enough. And it, and it sometimes it distances me from, from the issue. Mm. But, well, we're protected from the... Well, here in America, we're, we're protected from much of the effects of all these mm. uh, environmental disasters, Yeah. right? Yep. It's like all the things that we're doing just go and hurt everybody else, but we're like very oblivious to it. Mm. Um, Not that any other uh, country uh, isn't also totally playing in oh, this, yeah. uh, destruction of the world. Yes. But... I think sometimes their people are seeing it a little bit more, mm. but not to, that's not to say that they're not doing it any less. But um, the first time I saw how intense plastic was um, on the environment was I went scuba diving I think it was in it was in Thailand. I went scuba diving, and um, or snorkeling, I should say. And there was this big, gorgeous reef, and you could tell that this reef used to have a lot more color. Mm-hmm. You just look at it, and you could see where there was patches of like gorgeous, vibrant colors, and then other patches where it was gray and dying and decaying, and. Um, and so we're swimming around, and as I got close to the corals, I just saw all this plastic, these shopping bags, and and you know just any type of plastic you could imagine. It was just in the coral reefs, and then the fish were picking around the plastic to get their food in the coral reef. And I remember I started grabbing some of the plastic and trying to bring it up to the boat, and um, the guys on the boat started laughing at me. They're just like, "You have no idea how much plastic is down there," and I was like really so i went back down and i started swimming a little further along and i realized it would take me a lifetime to clean up how much plastic there is by myself um and so yeah that's when i realized okay plastic is a little bit more bigger of a deal than than i think it is then we think well we i mean we could definitely do better than dumping it into the ocean Mm -hmm. right why do we even use plastic Aren't there like way better ways to to do the things that plastic does? I mean, think about all the things that use plastic. I mean, this computer is made almost entirely of plastic, right? Mm-hmm. You're uh, uh, there. There might be plastic on your shoes. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's mm-hmm. plastic in this water jug. There's mm-hmm. plastic 
basically in almost every part of that TV. But there has to be a way that you can supplement that with something else. Yeah, there no. has to be. No, you're right. And I think there is something. I think they were talking about how there's hemp and there's all these other things. No, hemp plastic yeah. is definitely the way to go. And I, we why, are, why are we not doing that? I don't understand it. It's like if it's so clearly so much better for the world, we should just be investing so heavily in it. Well, people are afraid of hemp. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're afraid of it. They think it's just like bo- this like boogeyman. They do. They think right? it's going to turn them into a hippie if they use yeah. it. And they're so scared of it. And it's it's like, no, you're just going to just going to take care of the planet a little more. Mm-hmm. So, I think I heard from somewhere, I think it might have been the Joe Rogan podcast where uh, back just a long time ago, hemp used to be one of the main textiles used mm-hmm. to create make clothes make mm-hmm. ropes mm-hmm. just all that kind of stuff back in just around the time where our founding fathers lived right mm-hmm. in the 1780s and whatnot because mm-hmm. it's strong it's durable it grows really fast because it's mm-hmm. a weed and it doesn't take a lot of upkeep it doesn't require a ton of water from my understanding um and i think that i think that almost threatens uh some people a little bit because it is it is such a versatile plant that it, it maybe could put other other things that we're having set in motion right now it could put them out of business. That's one that's one perspective mm. I've heard with hemp. Yeah, so. I mean it would. Um, it, that's kind of the whole perspective of switching to reun, uh, renewable energy mm. instead of fossil fuels. Totally. Because it'll put you know Exxon out of business. It'll put um, just all these oil companies out of business and a lot of people rely on these companies for jobs right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i mean there's definitely a a opportunity cost uh, in relation to economic growth and the preservation of our earth because Mm -hmm. here we can keep growing but at some point if we destroy the earth and you know uh the the Arctic Circle and Antarctica, if all the uh, polar ice caps melt, it'll mm-hmm. lead to flooding, and then our mm-hmm. whole atmosphere is going to get hotter. There's going to be forest fires. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be completely horrible. Totally. Um, yeah. And then you won't be growing economically after that. No. So it, it just if we invest our resources into renewable resources now, mm-hmm. it's going to save jobs in the future. There has to be a track system where mm. we are developing the renewable resources at a rate that is um, going to be easy for the United States or whatever country we're talking about to adapt to that change, um, especially with jobs. I think that's the most important thing is, you know, right now, more so, um, we have an economy that's a little bit more geared towards, you know, the non-renewable resources. And we need to be, like, sensitive to that almost. You know, we can't just jump on this renewable train 100%. I don't think, as much as I would love that, um, I think it would confuse a lot of people, and mm-hmm. a lot of people would, would be lost. They would yes. be without job and without purpose. And so we need, to, we need to integrate it at a healthy rate that's good for us and the environment. And the mm-hmm. sooner the better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I get the impression that we're doing it pretty well though i think we could be going a lot faster but you look at tesla i mean holy cow the past four years i don't think i even had heard of tesla five years ago maybe Mm -hmm. or six years ago yeah 
And now it's like, look at their stock. It's like, mm-hmm. what, like $800 up right now? It's insane. They're, they're just taking off right now. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. I think, I think we are experiencing a, a lot of change right now. The paradigm's changing a bit. Yeah, no, I think um, over time, it might get better. I think I saw some statistic that we're actually, uh, we're still putting out a lot of uh, carbon emissions and a lot of pollution but I think the rate is actually decreasing. I hope so. I would like to believe that. I think I think from what I've seen, it seems that way. You see mm. all these buildings coming up um, that are green buildings, you know. Um, the, the example is being set on what we can do with what we create. Cars, buildings, mm. electronics, everything. So, well, I think in... Time. I think a big thing is that in our modern society, we're, we're largely separated from the outside world. We're mm. separated from nature, mm. unlike everything else in nature, which is completely immersed. Mm-hmm. So I know that you've been going on a lot of hikes with your brother. Mm-hmm. You've been going on a lot of trips. Mm-hmm. So tell me about how that mm. has kind of, just going outside in general, just any time that you go outside, go on a hike, go camping, mm. tell me about how that feels to you, especially just... Uh, if it feels relaxing, if it mm. feels kind of spiritual, or like mm. what your philosophy behind being outside is. Uh, going outside is my favorite thing in the world, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, it's like traveling and going outside, yeah. ideally the two of those. Um, when I go outside and I spend some time with nature, I'm grounded. Mm. And I always hear that. People are like, oh, it grounds me. And I'm like, what does that mean? And yeah. I think it means... You know, you have all the the clutter of you got this assignment and this project and this relationship and all these different things going on all the time. When you get out in nature, you're completely separated from those things and you kind of are given this opportunity to dissect them a little bit in your head while honestly being inspired by what's happening around you as far as nature. Um, but I think probably the biggest thing that going outside can give you is a sense that the things that you think are so big in your brain, the issues and everything else, you, you sit on a mountaintop and you are the only thing that you can see for miles and miles. You realize you are so small in comparison to this planet. Mm-hmm. You are so small in comparison to the mountains around you. And so are your issues. They're even smaller. And they actually mm-hmm. don't matter. You know, Some of them do, of course. There's things you got to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. But I would guarantee that if you really dissected the things that concern you so much every day, you would come to realize, what am I even worried about? Like just life goes on, man, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So, so nature just gives me all of that. And it, and it, um, it, you know, all the endorphins and, and, um, and all the inspiration that it comes with and, and everything else. So uh, have you ever seen the movie, no country for old men? I've seen part of it. And I, I actually really like that movie. So I haven't the, finished yeah. it, though. So the whole movie's... Uh, so the guy, like, one of the main characters is a serial killer, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But he's supposed to represent death. Mm. Right? The Grim Reaper. Okay. And he... There's this one point where he's about to kill this guy, and then he says, So, if you lived by this one rule your entire life, but it led you to right here, right now, then what did that rule do you any good? Ooh, that's crazy. What was the rule? Do you remember? 
Well, the rule is just, just how they live their life. Gotcha. Like, you know, I woke up, I went to work, mm. I, you know, brought home money to my family or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're all going to die, right? Totally. So what did all this, oh, like I, I decided, hey, I shouldn't smoke cigarettes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you go through your life and then you die and then you're like, well, I guess. I guess it didn't really even matter. I was gonna at all. die anyways, right? <laughs> right. I'm not saying that you no, should smoke. I know. You should definitely not smoke cigarettes. I get what you're saying. It's like you gotta. You can't be so hard on yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like you said, you're gonna die no matter what. So you might as well get busy living. You mm-hmm. might as well start doing something, mm-hmm. you know. And you shouldn't be so concerned about the vices. I think also. I think people. Mm-hmm are so scared of, of their vices, you know? And so they, they try to do this thing where they completely turn away from that. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their, um, what's the word? Like their desires, they completely turn away from their desires. So they're mm-hmm. so scared of them. Um, and so they just are trying to be, trying to be good little people and just, you know, listen to the, to the man and just do their thing. But at the end of the day, they're going to die too. So you might as well go eat that chocolate at midnight. You might as well go to that nightclub and do something crazy. Like you, you might as well, right? Just don't let it consume you. Mm-hmm. Don't let it. If it starts to Control impact your, you, exactly. If it starts to impact your life negatively, that's when it's a problem. But um, you gotta, you gotta live a little, man. You gotta take a gap do, year, man. Yeah, take a gap <laughs> year. Like just do what you gotta do. I, I do feel that way. I think I was kind of, for a while in my life, I was so scared of the vices that I try to turn away from them completely. And it's not, it's not as fun to be honest. Mm. It's not as fun. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta find a balance with everything. You gotta be good and kind and, and do good for society and, uh, do good for yourself and your health. And every once in a while you gotta go out with your buddies and you gotta go get wasted too. You know, Mm. I do, I do believe that. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but don't smoke cigarettes. You'll get D- cancer. But don't smoke cigarettes. That's the one thing. Unless um, you're drunk and have a cigarette, it's kind of <laughs> tastes good. <laughs> so um, I think uh, with all of that, all of the problems that modern society faces are usually made up, mm-hmm. right? Because because before we were a society, we were all surviving, right? Just like what the un- uncontacted tribes are doing today. Mm-hmm. Or if you're in poverty, then really you're surviving all the time. So mm-hmm. people that aren't in poverty and people that aren't in an uncontacted tribe, mm-hmm. they're generally not really working for survival. Mm-hmm. They're just working to have some sort of a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I think about that a lot. Um there's this book called Tribe. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I've heard of it. I haven't it, read it. Very good. I can't remember the name of the author. I think it's Sebastian something. Um, anyways, the the book Tribe is about that exact um, topic that you're bringing up. Is this idea that throughout <laughs> our history of a species as a species, we have been surviving. We had tigers coming at us. We had lions and crazy monkeys well, i'm gonna let you 
coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I went down the wrong pipe. Yeah, no, no. I was drinking this coffee and just... Down the wrong pipe. It's all good. Keep it going. happens. Keep going. Um, but yeah, so throughout you know, our, our time as being a species, for the majority of our time being a species, we've had external threats to worry about of things trying to kill us and our family and our tribe. Mm. And so that's, that's encoded in our DNA. Mm. It, it is because... It is. It te- that's how you further the species is you encode stresses into the DNA of the species. So they, when, you know, they come to be alive, they realize, okay, I got to watch out for the tigers and the lions and, and all these things. Right. It's just, it's just a sense they have, but now we live in cities and we're going to university and we're, you know, we're doing all these things. And the problem is, is I think it's probably one of the biggest problems in our society. We don't have a sense of purpose from doing this, mm-hmm. you know, Unless you're trying to study to cure cancer or you're going to college and you are getting this degree to translate directly into something that gives you a ton of purpose, I think a lot of people feel day to day that they aren't really doing anything for society or themselves. They don't feel like they're flourishing with purpose. And um, I think as a human, that's what you want. You want to have a purpose. You want to feel like you belong to a tribe and you want to protect that tribe and you want to protect yourself and mm-hmm. and uh, your family and the people you love and and we don't we don't have that anymore and you have to find it and you can and i think the people that um become very successful and fulfilled in their lives they they do find that purpose mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's what we struggle with today you know we live in a city you live in your your flat in downtown New York, and you just go to work every day, and you're just doing what you're told to do, and you don't you don't really feel like what you're doing is contributing to something bigger than yourself. Um, and I think that is so important as a person. You've got to contribute to something bigger than yourself. So you got to take that power back, man. That's what it's that's what it's about. Yeah, and I think. Um when we were talking about nature and going out and when you go outside and you go hiking or, or if you just look at the stars or if you look at the ocean, Mm -hmm. if you look at these big things and you understand that, Hey, you know, I'm pretty small, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm not really significant in any sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So then you take that idea and then you think about your problems and all the problems that you get in your life. And then you can kind of just say, Hey, these problems aren't really that big either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I can tackle it. You can you can tackle all of them. I, I You absolutely can, man. Yes. Whatever issues come your way, you can handle it. The issue wouldn't have come to you if you weren't able to handle it, you know? Um, I also think with this idea of purpose and being in nature, um, I think purpose doesn't always have to be something so huge either. I think sometimes purpose is literally just... Like you said, going out and laying underneath the stars and looking at them, you know, and, and, and pointing out the constellations and coming up with stories, or it's just going and swimming in the, in the ocean early in the morning or, you know, late at night with your friends and having a campfire on the beach. Like that's purpose too. And, and I think part of just being a human, our purpose is to enjoy this life. Mm. Enjoy it, man. You don't, why are people so scared to be happy? They're so scared to just enjoy the the moment, the current moment, and mm. to even let themselves go out and go into nature and go love and experience it, you know? But you go out and you have nothing but bliss and, and fun. 
And I don't understand why we, why do you, why would you ever keep that from yourself? You know, mm -hmm. you, you should love yourself so much that you want to give that to yourself as often as you possibly can. Mm. Self-love is important. Oh, for sure. I've had many people tell me in my life that I'm, I'm never going to be able to love anyone mm. unless I love myself first. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. Self-love is, self-love is a long journey, I mm. think, um, because I'll think I love myself and then I'll realize, oh man, you got a lot more loving to do. You know, you gotta, you have to love yourself unconditionally, no matter mm. what you do. Um, but not be egotistical. Yes. Because if right? you're egotistical and yeah. you're not a good person, you probably actually don't love yourself. Mm -hmm. It's right. the, the it's so hard to figure out where the ego starts and ends mm. with self love, because um, I see a lot of people talking about self love on social media and stuff, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, a lot of that looks like you're just stroking your ego. You know, yeah, I think mm, definitely. It, it's hard because I think there's no guidebook to, oh, this is when it's the ego that's involved. Right. Mm. I mean, there's definitely a lot of a lot of learning you can do and studying about when the ego is appearing in your life. But self-love, what is self-love, man? Self-love is I think self-love is dedicating yourself to your purpose mm. Um because you love yourself so much and you know what your potential is so much that it would be a waste to you and and not even just you this is the part where it extends over the ego it would be a disjustice to society if you didn't live up to what you could do mm -hmm. and i love myself so much that i want to make sure i hold myself to that standard for myself and the people around me so. i think it's also um like if you were to have a son right mm -hmm. How would you want that son to be? Mm. And Huge. however you want that son to be, that's how you should be. Absolutely. Right? I love that, man. You got to be like your own dad sometimes mm. and your own mom too. Let's be real. You got to <laughs> like, you got to be that, you know, because parents are awesome, man. And, and they did their best. I do believe that. And, but they always mess up and we're going to mess up when we have kids. We're, mm. we're going to, we're going to give them a little bit of issues. It's just how it goes. No one's going to raise their kids perfectly. But um, yeah, and a, and a lot of those times, you, you got to talk to yourself in your head the way you would speak to your child. Mm -hmm. Be that father for yourself. Don't be so mean to yourself when you mess up or when you're confused or hurt. That's when it's not self-love. That's when it's you're hating yourself. But what would your loving father say to you? He would mm -hmm. say, you're doing awesome, man. I'm so proud of you for giving this a shot and, and giving it the best you can and you know, that's, that's what your father would say to you. So why would you not say that to yourself? Exactly. It's, it's, it's huge. I think, I think, uh, that is something that we, a lot of people need to work on is just speaking to themselves like their father would or their mother would. And, uh, don't be scared of it either. But I guess it might be hard for people to do that if their parents didn't show them an example of that. You know, so how would how are they supposed to know how a father would speak to them if they never had a father figure that that showed them, you know, that love. Mm -hmm. So I, I my heart goes out to those people, but I, I know there's a lot of resources for them to figure that out if, if they so choose. Mm -hmm. I, I do believe that. I mean, this this all ties into self-discipline, mm -hmm. right? It, if you show yourself some love, you're probably going to put in some 
self-discipline. You're going to make sacrifices because love is sacrifice a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So if you love yourself, you're probably going to make some sacrifices for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? You're going to cut maybe some of those vices out. I mean, you should have some vices for sure. Mm -hmm. But if you cut them out just a little bit and then go about your day and have some of that self-discipline, some of that self-sacrifice, and some of that self-love, you'll probably go out into the world and be a better person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think love in general is just the most... Gen- love and gratitude is the most mm-hmm. powerful forces in the entire planet. And, um, you know, when you hear love and gratitude, you always think like, oh, pink hearts and like, oh, you know, all this lovey-dovey stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not... I don't really see it that way. I think love is like passion, right? It's like you love the pursuit of what you're doing so much you would never compromise it it just Mm -hmm. it means so much to you as a person um you love your brother or your sister your mom or your father so much that you would never compromise hurting them you know Mm um i think it's also love is also having faith mm -hmm. like having faith in yourself having Mm -hmm. faith in the things that you love Mm -hmm. like you know what i made a mistake today but i believe that from this day forward, I can make it up to myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and then with that, I think gratitude is just as important as love, actually. Mm. Um, I think gratitude is what opens you up to being able to feel and express love. Because if you go throughout your day just constantly thinking about the things that you don't have, how are you going to be able to, A, love yourself, love your current situation, or really just like, provide any amount of love because when you're not gra- when you're not having gratitude you're you're just in this constant state of negativity and people can really feel that but if you wake up and i mean you can find gratitude in everything man it's your bed it's it's your room it's your roommates it's you know your your sibling or your dog or outside being outside or having an education that's huge man having an education you should be grateful for even existing. Um, you in the should first be grateful place. for existing, for waking up in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, if you led with that thought every day, and I wish I did, I want to sit here and say I do, but <laughs> the days that I do lead with a lot of gratitude are always the best days. Mm-hmm. And um, I think when you're when you're expressing gratitude, so much is able to just like it's like life just magnetizes to you, opportunities, people. Um, all these things they just they come it's like you're you become this magnet um, and gratitude and love is what makes you a magnet for things that make you grateful yeah things that you love exactly man because mm-hmm. it's like those things want to feel that too so it's like they they're like willing to come to you and like give themselves mm-hmm. to you that kind of ties into the that idea of manifestations that mm-hmm. you were telling me about earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think manifestations are really interesting. I don't I don't look at manifestations in like a super hippie dippy way of like, oh, I sit here and I put it on my vision board and it, <laughs> and it happens, <laughs> you know. I think that's a like you got to be a little that's realistic. Yeah, you got to be realistic, but I think what what happens is um and well, I know this is what happens. This is the science behind it and um being when you're positive, you'll mm-hmm start doing things Mm -hmm. in such a way that will lead to more positivity right yes and that but like let's say you're trying to manifest something specifically in your life Mm -hmm. so um 
okay, let's just say it's this podcast, right? Let's say like yeah. you're manifesting every day that you want this podcast to reach 2,000 subscribers by the end of the year, okay? Mm-hmm. Like let's say that's your manifestation goal. So you just sit on your ass and thinking that all day isn't really going to help, but you feeling that and visualizing that and and really picturing what that looks like, then what happens is your brain starts to calculate and say, how can I find opportunities that 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 create that reality, mm-hmm. right? Because exactly. when because the and I'm speaking science here. When science the science says when you visualize something, your brain cannot understand the difference between what you visualize and what has actually happened in your mm-hmm. reality when your eyes are open, right? So you create that reality in your head and you say, okay, I have 2,000 subscribers. This is what it feels like. You know, this is this is what it is. And so now between today and your goal. You start to see all the opportunities. Oh, I could hit up him for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could post it here, right? You're open to these ideas of growth and expansion that you wouldn't have if you didn't trust this podcast's ability to grow. You know what I mean? Confidence. If, exactly. You gain the confidence. You gain the confidence and, and you gain the creativity to do the things you need to do in order to grow this. But if you thought, oh man, this podcast is just like a side project and like, I'm, you know, I'm probably not going to get more than like five listens on this next one. You know what I mean? If like mm-hmm. you start having those ideas, why would you ever put love and in, in growth and expansion into something that you don't trust in, right? Mm. I just, I think that that's really it. I, I, I don't think it's that hard to actually, well, it's hard. It takes hard work. Um, but if you just do the work, the things are going to happen. And it won't feel like work. Exactly. Because you're loving every single second mm-hmm. of doing it. Exactly. It's like when you get in that flow state where you're so involved in what you're doing, it's just like you just don't want to stop. You know, you just want to continue working and working and working and working and getting it done because it's just giving you so much purpose and fulfillment and happiness. And uh, there's a lot of work that can get done when you're in your flow state. But, but you got to activate that man. And, and I, that's where tying back to manifestations, like, you know, that's, that's where you activate it. You won't get there if you, if you don't spend time visualizing and considering your goals. So Michael Phelps, this is a really cool thing about visualization. So Mm -hmm. Michael Phelps, he, so his coach would make him picture um, every single stroke that he was going to take mm-hmm. in the meets, right? So every single stroke he did, he had already thought about it. De- like he knew the exact amount of strokes he needed to take from the start of the lane to the end of the lane. He knew the exact amount of strokes and then he knew the point in which he needed to do the flip in the water to go to the other side, right? So during one of, I think, I can't remember if it was in the Olympics or not, but I want to say it was. It was either the qualifiers or it was the Olympics. His goggles came off when he jumped in the water and most people would freak out and they're like i can't see there's no way i can compete right now michael phelps had already visualized exactly how that meet was going to go and he took first place he (laughs) didn't even know it until he got out of the water and he realized he destroyed everybody but he had already lived out that moment so many times in his brain Mm. that when his goggles came off he's just like cool now i just like turn on that program that i put in my brain and now it's happening and then he took, he killed it. He destroyed it. You can do that with anything. I mean, your brain is a simulation machine. Mm-hmm. It is built 
to make simulations. Mm -hmm. Every night when you go to sleep, your brain simulates things mm -hmm. called dreaming. Mm -hmm. And you can use this to your advantage. Mm -hmm. You have it. We have it. Uh, whether we evolved to have it or God gave, the, gave us this ability, mm -hmm. it's there and it's there to benefit you mm -hmm. no matter what. It is, man. Your life, the universe, your brain, it is here to serve you. Mm. And we get, we flip that. We think that we react to the planet. We think that we, we get in this like survival mode of like reaction, reaction, like life happens to me. No, you happen to life. You can create the life that you want. Um, life doesn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. It happens for you. Absolutely. And you know, the, the more you can remind yourself of that, it's, it's, it's so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like this idea of your mind being like a, what was the word you use? Like simulation, simulation creator. I love that. I've never quite thought of it like that. I th I've always thought of the brain is like a, just like a computer mm -hmm. and my thoughts are like the programming that I'm putting into it. And so I try to be, I try to be super delicate about the programming that I'm putting into it. And that's not to say that I'm a master it by any means, but I definitely try to be very conscious of my thoughts. Um, yeah. Cause, well, I mean, it, if we tie this to Buddhist teachings, mm -hmm. right? You, your mind is a garden, mm -hmm. and you don't want to let weeds mm -hmm. grow in your garden. Right? I love that. You just want flowers grow in your garden, mm -hmm. and sometimes as as good as we can be about trying to plant those flowers like weeds pop up and sometimes they're hiding and you don't even see them but they're, they're they pop up it's like they're popping up in the subconscious they're popping up somewhere and you have to spend time sorting through the flowers and you gotta you gotta mm -hmm. find those weeds that have been killing some of those flowers that you didn't even realize it was happening but but it happens and i think that's i think it's fun man I think life would be boring if like all we ever had was flowers, mm -hmm. you know, what, I mean, what work would there be to do? Exactly. I was talking to my brother about this the other day and, um, I asked him, I said, you know, we were talking about how much effort we put in the gym and into like our pursuits and stuff. And like how sometimes it's frustrating. You don't get where you want to be as fast as you know, you want to be. And I said to him, I go, okay, Matt, well, imagine if you snapped your fingers and you had everything you wanted. You had the perfect physique. You were lifting all the weight you wanted to lift. You you had the dream job. You know you had the dream girlfriend. Like you had it all. You just like snap your fingers and there it is. That would suck. That would suck, bro. <laughs> that would be the most boring life ever. Like what's the point of that? I would be depressed if that was the case. Mm. It's the pursuit of getting those things that makes life worth living at all right to the pursuit of happiness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah totally you you know it's it's the work man it's um one analogy i love for this idea is um i i heard this on the obby marcus podcast um so he's talking about how um this little boy found this like cocoon mm -hmm. and uh he knows that the, the butterfly was like starting its way to get out of the cocoon and uh the boy took a little knife and he slit he slit through the cocoon and he let the uh, butterfly come out on it. You know, he just like literally released the butterfly out of the cocoon, and the butterfly could not fly and it died. 
and he was really sad about it and he asked his mom he's like why did that kill the butterfly you know i thought i was helping it and she said the butterfly gains strength and the ability to fly in the struggle to get out of the cocoon Mm. it's the struggle to exit the cocoon that strengthens its wings and also like squeezes out all the toxins and the juices in its wings so that way when it emerges it can fly on its own Mm. so never ever let somebody take that from you basically don't let anyone be that little boy with like the putting the knife in your cocoon right like that Mm. is your destiny and privilege of life to get out of that cocoon on your own so yeah the struggle itself towards the heights is enough to fill a man's heart Oh, I, I think you te- you texted me that one time. Yeah, it's um, it's my favorite quote of all time. Mm-hmm. It's by uh, Albert Camus. He was mm-hmm. a, I think, a French existentialist philosopher, um, post-war era, you know, 1950s. And he was a high school teacher. And he wrote this story called The Myth of Sisyphus. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was about this... It's this old Greek myth about this king called Sisyphus, and he dies, and he's sent to hell, Hades. And then he, while he's down there, he tricks the king of hell into bounding himself with these unbreakable chains. So then Zeus says, how could you have tricked the gods? How could you have done that? That's horrible. Mm. So then he condemns Sisyphus to this place where he has to push this boulder up this hill Mm. and right as he gets up to the top it rolls back down and he has Mm. to do this every single day Mm. and and this is supposed to be an allegory for our daily struggles where we have to wake up every day we have to go to work and then we and then we start walking down the mountain and that's when we're getting home from work and we're going to sleep and the thing is you could do two things you could despise this event. You could despise your life. You could despise this endless struggle, mm-hmm. this this everlasting task. Or you could have one last trick for the gods, one last trick for Zeus, and it is enjoying the struggle mm, that he's giving you. I love that. Right? I've never heard that story that way. That's That is really inspiring, actually. I think what I struggle with sometimes with in relation to that story is I will push that rock up the mountain and there will be days where I just like I kick that rock dude and it just (laughs) sends up the mountain and I'm just kind of and I'll be like okay cool I can like leisurely walk up to meet the boulder now right because I just (laughs) put in so much effort and work into pushing that boulder up and then that boulder will just just like absolutely plummet into me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, it's just as hard as it was before. It never (laughs) gets easier. It's like putting the boulder up a mountain is always going to be hard. You will never reach this point where you're like, oh man, cool. I'm at the top of the mountain now. Like I can look at the scenery and just like coast from here. Um, I love that, man. That's cool. I think it's, I think it's really good to think of it that way because you got to consistently put effort into pushing that boulder up. Hmm. You can't, you know, I think if you just do it in spurts or, you know, you try to just take a break, you know, from pushing it up, like the boulder's there. It's always going to be there. Hmm. And you have to, you have to find meaning 
in mm. in whatever task you're doing, whatever endless arbitrary task you're yes. doing. You have to find meaning and you have to find enjoyment in it. Have you ever read the book Man's Search for Meaning? Uh, by Elliot Wiesel. It's by I can't remember his name. I don't think that's his name. Wait, maybe. The is it? It's the or maybe book. I'm thinking of Knight. Man's Search for Meaning is about um, a psychologist who survived the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellie yeah, Wiesel. Yeah, that's him. Okay. How do you say his last name? Ozell. I think it's Wiesel. Wiesel. Okay, I think that's right. But um, yeah. So that book is talking about exactly what you're talking about. Is mm-hmm. The the men in the Holocaust and the women as well who um, who died were the ones who had lost a sense of, of purpose in what they were doing. They died really quickly, actually. Um, but the but the survivors, a lot of the survivors survived because they found even the smallest bit of purpose in what they were doing in in the camps. And I I love learning about that idea. And I'm obviously I'm it's horrifying that that ever happened, but what you learn from that is these camps were uh, this space in which really it would be almost impossible to find any sense mm. of purpose. It was hell. Yeah, it was a manifestation was of hell. hell. Yes. They, these people were living the worst possible uh, scenario of the human existence ever. And they still found purpose in doing some of the smallest, most mundane things ever. And their bodies responded to it. And the people who, um, you know, the people who, who gave up and just thought, you know, that, and of course, I mean, God, I feel, of course they would feel that way. I think most of us would. But the people who, who felt that there was no purpose to what they were doing and they gave up, they, their bodies responded to that. And, and they would sometimes die the day after they would say, there's no purpose to my life. I would rather die, right? And then they would, they would quite literally die the next day. Mm-hmm. So... It, that's I mean I think it takes a lot of discipline to to find that purpose you know to constantly remind yourself there's purpose in what I'm doing right now mm. so yeah you have to you have to overcome hell mm-hmm. and and that's your that's your greatest just trick to the people that to the people or just whatever is punishing you in life, your your greatest rebellion. Mm. That's what that's what Camus said. He said that this is a rebellion. It's a rebellion to say, "Hey, you know what? You're giving me hell, mm. but I don't care." In fact, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's game over, man. If you can love the struggle, like that's it. Because what can you do to that man? What can you do to that woman? What can you do to that person? Nothing, man. They're gonna they're gonna find purpose and love and enjoyment in whatever you throw at them. And every struggle you give them, they're going to learn something from that because how much they because of how much they love it. Mm-hmm. They're gonna learn something that empowers them to be better at being a person in their day to day life. So I I really love that story. I never knew that he was doing it as like a bit of an F you to Zeus. I, I had never heard of that before. So, and that just makes so much sense to me. So I, I, I love that. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Cool. Thanks, Greg. This was a great time, man. I think we covered a lot of ground. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I really appreciate having you on. For all you out there that uh, 
if you have any suggestions or you want to suggest someone to come on to the podcast or if you want to suggest something for me to research just email into.the.absurd.podcast at gmail.com thank you for listening